First they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. Berlusconi flatly denies that any mafia money helped him to get a start in the industry. I have I've always had a thing for black people. I like black people. I'm telling you, these stories are funnier than, than the jokes you can tell. And I said, what the fuck is a brain scientist? I was like, that's not a real job. Tell me the truth. But anyway. In five, four, three, two. Welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. I am Sean P. McCarthy, and I'm here, and I'm joined by my friends. Steve Jeffries. Yogi Paul. Uh, we're very pleased to announce uh, we have been acquired by Apollo Global Management, <laughs> and as part of the restructuring, Andy has been laid off. That's right. So you will not be hearing him <laughs> on the episodes anymore. You know, the podcast market is red hot right now, <laughs> and um, Apollo, it had to offload about $13 billion worth of debt onto our company. And um, as a result, we, you know, we had to make some some changes around here. Look, we're we're not going to question the geniuses at Apollo for buying us at a twenty thousand multiple of EBITDA, <laughs> our EBITDA of four hundred dollars a month, and their one point two billion purchase price, and they're going to IPO our podcast. So. And the first thing you got to do is restructure, which means lay off Andy. Mm-hmm. So you won't mm-hmm. be hearing him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've cut our drops budget in half. <laughs> we are cut down to two drops today, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Uh, three if you're lucky, and yeah. f- four if I'm feeling up to it when I'm editing this you're thing. Just gonna have to savor them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, we are talking today about Leon Black. We mentioned Apollo Global Management. Leon Black is the private equity co-founder of. A senior partner in Apollo Global Management. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a fair bit on this podcast about private equity. But I, I just wanted to say, with this Leon Black episode, you might be thinking going into it, oh, great, it's another boring finance episode. Of course. No, this is actually a Pizzagate episode. Oh. <laughs> because if you happen to like Google the words Leon Black and Jeffrey Epstein, uh, you'll find some interesting stuff, um, which is that uh, according to uh, Gawker, who broke this story and then mysteriously got shut down. <laughs> uh, no, it was actually also reported by City File. Yeah, the article was called uh, Pizzagate Extra Slices. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Dessert pizza. <laughs> but just for those who, who might not know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was, was charged and convicted of uh, uh, soliciting sex with a minor. And mm-hmm. there have been allegations that he was running a massive child trafficking network. Uh, and uh, for some reason, uh, this is just from the New York Times, Leon Black's, the Leon D. Black Charitable Foundation, uh, had Jeffrey Epstein as its director from 2001 to 2012. And uh, he pleaded guilty to soliciting sex with a minor in uh, 2006. Uh, And that is just kind of one of those things where it's like, just remember that the next time that a billionaire cites their charitable giving foundation. (laughs) (laughs) they're, They're not really telling you who's on the board of directors. You know, and what they don't tell you is the D in Leon D. Black, it Mm -hmm. stood for dignified. And how dare he besmirch his middle name, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> with such classless acts as having Jeffrey Epstein be a co-worker. It stood for a Class D felony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just from the New York Times here, uh, the Leon D. Black Foundation's Form 990, a filing made with the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, the website shows uh, Jeffrey Epstein listed as director, mm. just below Mr. Black as president treasurer, and his wife, Deborah, as vice president secretary. Cool. And uh, as we mentioned, he resigned in 2012. We don't know the reason, but <laughs> maybe the fact that press articles were written about it had something to do with it. Yeah, usually when the press writes about who you do business with and why you do business with and why that's a bad thing, you kind of end up leaving a company. But so it is just something where uh, there was also, uh, we talked about this on the Jeffrey Epstein episode with uh, Matt Chrisman, but um, there was a 2005 pro- Vanity Fair profile of Jeffrey Epstein. This mm-hmm. is before the scandal. Um and that profile cited Leon Black as a frequent dinner guest of his. And then I do want to shout out this Twitter user, uh, uh, Miss Pan Strepin. Uh, she found, so basically, just there's this Daily Beast article about the Jeffrey Epstein charity, which is called a Gra- Gratitude America LTD. Uh, Galt? Gratitude America LTD. Though it should be... It should Galted. Be, yes. It should be noted... <laughs> That there is Gratitude America Incorporated, mm-hmm. which is a Florida nonprofit for veterans. <laughs> so I just want to warn our listeners if you are writing a check to w- wounded warriors, be very careful with the spelling. <laughs> because you might actually be funding a, a child sex trafficking network uh, that just puts incorporating. <laughs> That's that's my company is Wounded Warriors Incorporated. Right, right. You're not worried about the warriors at all. You want uh, wounded individuals in your life. Different kind of wo- yeah. a warrior. Oh boy. W- wounded Warriors Incorporated. We mostly deal with Bitcoin, and uh, <laughs> you can pay us via an onion add-on. We accept Libra. <laughs> um, but so the uh, the Daily Beast article here. I'm just going to read one thing from it. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein was, was president of Gratitude America LTD. This was his charity. He used it for various charitable givings. Right. He kind of kept it anonymous, tried to keep a low profile after he got out of prison in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so apparently this thing was dormant from 2012 to 2015. Uh, and then in that year, it uh, recorded revenue for the first time, receiving a single $10 million donation from hmm. a mysterious company called BV70 LLC. BV70 LLC. Stephen, yeah. what do you think of that? BV70. It's from the Daily Beast. Is Burfier? Maybe. It's the, the same vehicle that acquired Grubstakers. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that company? Well, that's the thing, is that it's a mysterious LLC, but I wanted to shout out this uh, Twitter user, Miss Panstrepin, because she actually like put these documents up on Twitter. You can look at them. I'll try to, uh, if I ever update the Tumblr, I'll link to it. Uh, but Send s- all your Tumblr complaints <laughs> to Sean McCarthy... If your reviews have Tumblr complaints, he'll get on it. Yeah. Um, only the five-star ones. But so Gratitude America LTD was dormant 2012 to 2015, gets this $10 million donation from an LLC. And so Miss Panstrap on Twitter, she points out that uh, this company is headquarters at 445 Park Avenue, mm-hmm. New York City. Right. Uh, Leon Black's Elysium Management LLC just happens to operate out of that address. Oh. So, um, it's not a sure thing, but it is a significant coincidence and definitely a possibility that Leon Black made the sole $10 million donation to uh, Jeffrey Epstein's charitable foundation. Wow. 
Yeah, and it is just kind of a weird thing where um, I, I'm sure it has nothing to do with our discussion on that Jeffrey Epstein episode about how he <laughs> had secret <laughs> recordings of people having sex with children that he trafficked. Oh, what? That's weird? Oh, what? You can't do that now, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> just, just being clear that I am not saying that has anything to do <laughs> with why he would make a $10 million donation to this guy. It's crazy how t- billionaires treat $10 million because mm. like... Even on our uh, Patreon episode that we're going to be coming out with on Thursday about uh, Australian billionaire to be announced, mm-hmm. um, they throw around money constantly, and $10 million is like is like $20 to them. Oh, what'd you do? I spent $10 million making a movie. It didn't work out. What's it called? You know, the, the newest piece of shit nobody's watching. It doesn't matter. What'd you do? I spent $10 million because somebody made a movie about me, and I don't want it getting out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you made it shittier? You know me. Um, but so maybe we'll come back to that in future, but it is just one of those things where it's like, clearly this guy had no problem keeping Jeffrey Epstein on his board after he was convicted of, you know, sex with a minor and right. uh, all sorts of horrific, uh, uh, things. Uh, and you know, that $10 million donation may or may not have come from him. So who knows what their relationship is? Maybe something else will come out in future. But, uh, Leon Black is also just kind of the traditional, uh, private equity asshole that we've kind of beaten to death on this podcast, uh, and, uh, Not literally, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> no. Not o- enough, however. <laughs> only on the premiums. That's right. <laughs> you can listen to us torture and kill a private equity executive. Well, we have multiple private equity linked presidential candidates, so you know <laughs> uh, we have to we have to do our due diligence here. That's right. Um, but so Leon Black, according to Forbes, as of June 2019, he's worth about 6.9 billion dollars. Wow. Uh, uh, not very nice. And uh, the the thing is, uh, Apollo, so he's the founder of Apollo Global Management. He founded it in 1990. It went public on the stock market in 2011. He owns about 21% of the stock still. Uh, Apollo Global Management is a huge private equity. It's primarily private equity. They also are in real estate and credit and shadow banking and all that shit. Are they uh, based out of New York? Uh, yeah, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have about $269 billion assets under management. So they are huge. Also nice. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, I did just want to mention uh, the co-founders, Josh Harris and Mark Rowan, are also billionaires, so we'll probably circle back, because it's like an episode like this, there's so many different you know, takeovers right. and uh, angles of attack that you could focus on, and if you were a serious podcast, you'd really get down in the due diligence of like what pension funds they've been destroying, instead of spending three hours Googling Jeffrey Epstein, Leon Black, and looking through <laughs> right. Twitter accounts to try and find out if he's a, a pedophile or not. Not. Um, but fortunately, we don't have that problem. And we just want our listeners to know it's uh, Apollo, n- not after the uh, Greek uh, deity, but mm-hmm. Apollo Creed from Rocky. That's what <laughs> they named their real estate uh, equity thing. What are they, what are they on? <laughs> Uh, the, uh, oh, I did want to just read these two things back to back from the New York Times. Leon Black grew up in a family that had a home in Westport, Connecticut and an apartment on Park Avenue in, in Manhattan. Wow. Uh, and then from Forbes, his self-made score is eight out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. But it, it's like, the thing with Leon Black is this guy. Not even Southampton. (laughs) (laughs) You're a Uh, Leon Black 
became he made several hundred million dollars as part of Michael Milken's criminal Ponzi scheme conspiracy right, right. theory. Uh, again, we talked about this on the Michael Milken episode, but he was part of Drexel Burnham Lampert, which was the major uh, uh, Wall Street firm uh, uh, until 1990 when it collapsed in the junk bond collapse. Um, but so essentially, just to kind of like run over this again, uh, Michael Milken was selling junk bonds to finance hostile takeovers, mergers and acquisitions, and these set types of things. But Michael Milken had a network of captive savings and loans and mm-hmm. other companies, insurance companies. And the idea was like Michael Milken puts you in business, he gets you these uh, billions or millions of dollars, and now in exchange you have to buy his junk bonds. So he has all these captive buyers, so it very quickly becomes a Ponzi scheme. Right. Where, you know, it doesn't matter if you can actually get financing for these junk bonds, he has all these captive buyers. So uh, uh, Leon Black was head of mergers and acquisitions at Drexel Burnham Lampert. He made hundreds of millions of dollars as part of this Ponzi scheme. And then he went on to become a billionaire by kind of picking up the pieces that were left over from the result of this oh, Ponzi wow. scheme. And we'll kind of go through that in... Um, in more detail in just a moment here. He's like that one dude that won the ice skating Olympics against Apollo Ono that was like 11th, but then everyone fell and he showed up and was like, looks like I'm number one now. <laughs> but in this case, it's with the dregs of billionaire criminal past being picked up by Leon Black. He uh, he hired uh, Tanya Harding to deal with his union problems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so I, I wanted to, to just kind of like go through um, a, a couple other things that we should mention up top is that, you know, Apollo, as many private equity uh, firms do, they own chains like Caesars Entertainment, Career Builder, uh, ADT Security. Um, uh, they own Chuck E. Cheese, hmm. which um, I'm sure has nothing to do Mm-mm. with the allegations Mm-mm. regarding Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> you know, there's a theory that Chuck E. Cheese takes the leftover pizzas and puts them in the same like plate like pan oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. reserves it to its customers like essentially you know steven's got a family and some couple of runs and they don't eat all their slices and so the next family that shows up they just take the leftovers from steven's pizza mm. and make a new pizza that's full of slices I think uh, Jeffrey Epstein does a similar tactic (laughs) in the laboratories of his secret U.S. Virgin Island. He kind of does the same thing, but with convertible debt. Now, look. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I'm not a lawyer or nothing, but it seems to me like it should be illegal for the owner of Chuck E. Cheese to have Jeffrey Epstein on the board of his charitable foundation. It's the obvious answers in front of your face that people rarely see. Yeah. Oh, and then one other thing I just wanted to mention with regards to like what um, uh, Leon Black actually owns. He owns fucking Blackwater. <laughs> wow. Which like you remember the uh, Eric Prince episode? We've uh, talked about uh, the Nisor Square massacre and night hunting in Iraq and all these other things that you know private security contractors get up get up to um but just from reuters uh they bought uh Constellus, which is now like a, a major firm that owns blackwater which changed its name because that's what you do when you fucking right. academy. murder yeah academy yeah. so Constellus owns academy and triple canopy which are like two different pmcs now private military contractors right. Um, and, uh, so they bought it for a billion dollars in 2016 and, uh, as of 2018, they haven't been able to sell it. They're trying to sell it for like two or 2.5 billion. Well, and I uh, heard that Leon Black hated the name change because when it was called Blackwater, he could just say my water. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you think these jokes are bad? You should hear the ones I'm not saying. I do just like that. Like, I mean, the whole we've we've talked about this. The private equity strategy is buy a company, load it up with debt, mm-hmm. cut services, lay people off, cut pensions, and it's like, yeah, what could go wrong when we're doing this to Navy SEALs <laughs> and Still Delta say, Force veterans? Blackwater, really great name. It's a pretty it's, cool it's name. It's, name a, yeah. it's honestly a cool name for a mercenary company. Yeah, and there's no other. Wait, there's an academy, <laughs> right? Is it academy with an I at the end? That's how it yeah, sounds. Yeah, some, some some gay shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Steven coming out with the claws. Uh, uh, hilarious. Yeah, but um, and so look, if if you want to also uh, go down the Russiagate rabbit hole with Leon Black, people will link him to Eric Prince, who's of course an advisor to the Trump uh, administration. And uh, you know, me, I prefer to go down to the network of billionaire pedophiles black hole, <laughs> and. Uh, waste all my time trying to find information about that on the internet but it is just something to to keep in mind you know uh if there's any sort of collapse in civil society this guy owns a private army well uh, and this was interesting because leon black said this about the uh, russia situation you getting that ass larry that's what the fuck you do what are you talking about you let the man slide today you gotta immediately get in somebody's ass when that happens to you you pull their asshole open step into their asshole close the door behind you take a spray paint can right uh-huh. larry was here <laughs> You spray paint Larry was here. <laughs> it's uh, Leon Black talking about the Nisor Square massacre. <laughs> Look, Eric, you got to get up in their asshole. Those, those civilians at that traffic stop. Uh, but I guess I did just want to mention uh, one other thing. Um, we've talked about this um, a lot on this podcast, uh, private equity in general. In fact, we did an episode about it with Josh Kosman, who's the guy who literally wrote the book on private equity. He wrote a book called The Buyout of America and made the argument, I think, very convincingly that private equity has really destroyed a lot of jobs, wages, benefits, right. these sorts of things. Um, and, and I just wanted to go through a couple more statistics from private equity, and then we'll start with the Leon Black biography. Um, uh, according to uh, New York Mag, the SEC started to audit private equity firms following the Dodd-Frank reform, uh, and after reviewing a large sample, the agency said that more than half of the firms were engaged in serious law-breaking or other regulatory what? infractions. Over half? Yeah, so, like, and they had a bunch of, like, settlements. Like, in 2016, the FEC got, like, 50. Hey, yeah. I thought over half meant most. <laughs> yeah. When did, when did we stop saying most when we meant over half? That's, that's what happened when you have to ne- you have to negotiate your press releases with a lawyer for four hours and you end up with over half instead of most so so you're telling me it's 67 percent of, of these people committed these crimes yeah so i mean you know most well not necessarily most i mean maybe over half Look, but not most 98 percent. so more than half of them were engaged in serious law breaking <laughs> Uh, but so there were a bunch of settlements like in 2016, the FEC settled with, um, or the SEC settled with Apollo for 52 million because they were like not disclosing fees to fund investors or hiding fees or, you know, they always have these complicated fee structures. So you have no idea what you're getting charged for. And they were also not disciplining a senior partner who was repeatedly charging personal investments, personal expenditures to the fund. Oh my God. Uh, but um, but I wanted to, to mention uh, uh, nearly half of private equity, according to New York Times, nearly half of private equities, nearly half of private equities invested assets now come from public and private pensions around the world. And again, another thing we've beaten to death with this private equity stuff is that 
they destroy pensions, they destroy jobs, yep. they destroy benefits. So it's like, I mean, it's like an insane thing that that many different pension funds are engaged in, and then there's a level of bribery we'll we'll <laughs> talk about a little bit here. Um, where these workers are depending on pensions for their retirement, but they're also funding the very companies that are engaged in these very predatory practices that are destroying pensions. Snake eating its ass. Even if they were, like, quote, benevolent Mm -hmm. to these public pensions and actually did just manage your funds with only a minimal fee, Mm -hmm. that's still, like, tens of millions of dollars in fees that municipalities could be putting to better use. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I did want to mention one last thing about private equity, because we, we've talked about this before. Josh Kosman, in his book, he wrote about this, um, was the fact that uh, the private equity industry funded a study that was supposed <laughs> to look at whether or not private equity actually like created jobs and growth and all that shit. Uh, as a, a c- economist, uh, Professor Stephen J. Davis was the, the lead on this uh, study. And uh, equivalent to hiring the oil companies to write about global warming. But the fucked up mm-hmm. thing is, like, even their fucking right. study right. found that they destroyed jobs and wages. <laughs> fucking idiots. But I just I looked at this thing and I it was it tickled me because it's like you know these economists are like hired by these companies right. so they have to present this data and present it in like the nicest way possible. So yeah. just the right, fucking right. just the fucking language they use when they like reach this crazy conclusion and uh, just. From the study, Stephen J. Davis study, uh, they looked uh, at a data set that spanned buyouts from um, 1980 to 2005, I believe like 3,200 different target firms. Um, and uh, they conclude that, quote, private equity buyouts catalyze the creative destruction process as measured by job creation and destruction and, they tra- and by the transfer of production units between firms, unquote. And like, you know, creative destruction this is, of course, just like the basic uh, whatever corporate raider right, capitalist right. propaganda. But just again, quoting from the, the uh, overview of the study, on balance, employment at target companies falls 3% more than peer companies in two years following an LBO, leverage buyout, and 6% more over five years. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Let me... Let me, ter- let me take that again. Yeah. <laughs> and so they like... We uh, uh, innovate 3% more and 6% right, more, right. respectively. What a twist. Uh, and so, you know, they always, they uh, kind of like wave, hand wave this away by saying it like reduce, it increases productivity is what they find. But of course, like that extra productivity is going to the owners of capital mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. workers. Uh, but uh, the last thing I want to quote from this summary, uh, target firms also reduce earnings per worker relative to peer firms after private equity buyouts. Thus, the evidence indicates that buyouts improve operating margins by hiking productivity <laughs> and by lowering unit labor costs. Wow. Uh, and so that's about the nicest way you can write the words yeah. destroys pensions yeah. and makes people vote for donald trump uh, fucks over uh, everyone uh, i think uh, except the people who have the most money that's uh, essentially what we're doing here destroys mm. arguably like the main ethical reason for having a really large corporation right mm-hmm. right <laughs> a lot of people are employed yes <laughs> hey you know we're doing this good thing by having people have jobs <laughs> we gotta cut that out of our making money <laughs> You know those uh, totalitarian structures that uh, tens of thousands of people depend on for their <laughs> livelihoods? 
What if we took ten thousand, tens of thousands of people out of that uh, yeah. and just left the totalitarian structures? Well, would we would we make more money from it? No, not at all. Oh well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I think that I want the, our listeners to know that we refrain from talking about ass eating and a whole bunch of dumb shit to talk to Josh Codlin about private equity, but mm-hmm. nothing says it better than Schoolboy Q on uh, Hot Ones. Yeah, man, these some real white motherfuckers that invented this shit, dog. I don't know none of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I did, I emailed uh, Josh Gossman, just like, hey, do you have any scuttlebutt about Leon Black? He mm-hmm. didn't get back to me, but it's like, I didn't want to invite him on the episode because I didn't want like this respected guy here when I'm like, all right, so here's what's going on at Jeffrey Epstein's private pedophile. Oh, oh, Sean, you can't do Epstein jokes in front of Cosman, huh? You can sit behind a keyboard and say whatever you want, but yeah, when Cosman's in the I'm room, a coward. you can <laughs> Apollo Global Management has cut our Jeffrey Epstein research budget. <laughs> Well, Andy usually took care of that, but yeah. they bought him out. But um, so I guess just kind of moving on to the the mostly chronological uh, biography of, of Leon Black. And it is interesting where uh, his father was a multimillionaire corporate raider. It's like mm. so like father, like son. He gets into that shit. Uh, we mentioned the New York Times. He, his family had a home in Westport, Connecticut and an apartment on Park Avenue, Manhattan. But uh, Eli Black is pretty fascinating. And it is just kind of weird where it's like... Uh, there's in my from what i was able to find there's more like actual biography information available for his father than there is for leon black really? which is like yeah clearly this guy is hiding something sure sure <laughs> it's like how we felt when we were researching elon musk way back when and we right. couldn't find stuff about his dad right and every time he would come up there'd be like a mysterious fog over some information about him being a shady person mm-hmm yeah, his uh, his ownership of an island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and <laughs> where they make sacrifices to Moloch and shit. Yeah, man, these some real white motherfuckers <laughs> that invented this shit, dog. I don't know none of that. <laughs> Just imagine him watching like a child sacrifice and saying shit like that. Like You're invited, bunch, but you don't you don't subscribe. To this. Right, right, right. A bunch of people in fucking eyes wide shut masks. <laughs> yeah, these some real white motherfuckers. <laughs> Fucking putting the sacred dagger through the heart of a virgin. Yeah, man. These some real white motherfuckers that invented this shit, dog. I don't know none of that. I just want to I want to show Schoolboy Q the movie Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> right. uh, but so Eli Black, uh, he's born 1921, uh, is of course Leon Black's father. Eli Black is born 1921 in Poland. Uh, he immigrates to the United States as a child. Interestingly enough, he was a rabbi. He comes from a long uh, line of rabbis. He was a rabbi for three and a half years before he joins Lehman Brothers as an <laughs> investment banker. And basically the story is that he was working on at Lehman Brothers in the 50s and 40s, and uh, he was working on financing for a company that made caps for milk bottles. Huh. Uh, and then they convinced him to take it over and become CEO and chairman in 1954. He renames the company AMK, and he turns it into a vehicle for acquisitions. Yeah. You know, starts doing a bunch of takeovers and this right. kind of stuff. And by 1967, AMK becomes one of the nation's top 500 companies in size. So again, you know, a hugely successful multimillionaire. Um, but the actual story of um, Eli Black is that uh, in 1968... Hey, real uh, quick before we go into that, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but like, wait, what's the thing where milk cartons today have mm. plastic caps? Have you guys yeah. noticed this? 
Why is this happening? Why did we take <laughs> I'm sure milk cartons? Private equity has something to do with it. Because <laughs> milk cartons, you can open with your hand if you got you know practice and time. But then we started putting plastic caps on milk cartons. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck are we doing this? Does anyone know? What do you mean? As opposed to what? Well, it used to like come in the glass bottles and shit. No, but you can take a milk. Oh, like carton. a gl- instead of glass. Well, so a milk carton you can fold out like we did as kids for cafeteria lunch. Right. But now milk cartons have a cap in the middle, like a fucking oh. plastic cap, like it's a fucking. Yeah, I guess that's more common. Yeah, and you think it'd be like, oh, well, maybe they're considering people that have weak hands and stuff. But you know, corporate shit don't give a fuck about the disabled. You know what I'm talking about, right? It so was, why the fuck did they start putting bottle caps on milk cartons, dog? There was a CEO somewhere who got really mad at a seagull. <laughs> I will put more plastic in the environment. We can't be making this shit out of cardboard. We got to get some plastic yeah, on there. You probably got one of those like Uber stories. Yeah, something like that. Like like, that. Like, it's just weird. One time I was mad at uh, an entire species of animal for existing in the sea. I got made fun of because I couldn't open my chocolate milk at lunch, and now all the animals are dying. I hate that I find the plastic caps more convenient. Because I always fuck up the paper milk, the, the sure. cartons, yeah, and you pour it wrong and it comes all out. I understand that, you know, when you fuck up, it's embarrassing, Yeah, but it doesn't mean we should poison all the fish and fucking uh, uh, creatures on the planet with plastic. Maybe we should stop laughing at each other for fucking it up as much. Yeah. Empathy. If, if we could just all use paper milk cartons, <laughs> then the nature documentaries we watch would stop getting so sad. <laughs> But anyways, uh, back to the informational part of this podcast. Right. What uh, you're here for, really. Yeah. Uh, Eli Black, uh, so what, what makes him famous or, or infamous or semi-famous for a time, I should say, is in 1968, he takes over United Fruit Company. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, United Fruit Company at the time was importing about one-third of all bananas imported to the United States. Today, it's Chiquita Banana. Uh, but United Fruit Company is significant for uh, destroying South and Central America. Yeah. Uh, just, the UFC fucks everything. Yeah. <laughs> According to um, uh, in Honduras, on seven different occasions between 1903 and 1925, U.S. soldiers intervened to either crush strikes, overthrow governments, or protect United Fruit Company. Pro, uh, property. Wow. Uh, in 1911, uh, the uh, a company later bought by United Fruit literally supplied the weapons used for the coup in Honduras. <laughs> uh, so basically, they've been just fucking shit up in, in Honduras all throughout the 20th century. Uh, and he buys them. He buys United Fruit in 1968. He merges it into AMK, creating uh, United Brands, and he becomes the chairman and CEO of the new company. Hmm. Um, but interesting thing happens uh, in 1974, Hurricane Fifi in Honduras wipes out the banana crop, so his company's in a bit of trouble. And what hap- And uh, in 1975, the SEC discovers that he, Eli Black, authorized one point a 1.25 million dollar bribe to Honduran President Oswaldo Lopez Arellano, uh, which was to reduce taxes on banana exports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, the the, pres- the Honduran quote president, came to power in two different coups. Uh, <laughs> wow! One in 1963. Then he allowed an election in 1971, which he lost, and then did another coup in 1972. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, uh, Eli Black pays him uh, 1.25 million in bribes to to reduce his taxes. And um, the SEC discovers this. So on February 1975, Elon Black jumps out of the 44th floor of the Pan America building, now the MetLife building. Um, And I believe we do have the audio of Eli Black jumping to his death. 
The body was found by Don Draper going to work in the next morning. <laughs> uh, Did you watch Mad Men, Steven? What? No. I, oh, well, I know the intro. Anyway. I never saw the show either. And it, whenever someone was like, hey, why don't you watch a show? I would just say, it's not racist enough. <laughs> and they'd say, oh, you don't even watch it. I'm like, I know. It, it's just, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is true that they do say... <laughs> What? <laughs> they say Negro instead of yeah, like come on. really get, committing. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, AMC made this show about white people uh, 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 before uh, people stopped saying the N-word. Yeah. And uh, uh, these rich white people just happen to never say the n grow, grow up, AMC. You know this show about rich white people in the 1960s and uh, how it's so realistic that they behave better than white people do in <laughs> private today? <laughs> Um, but so yes, uh, uh, Eli Black jumps to his death uh, off the 44th floor of the MetLife building. At this time, his son Leon Black is in his second year of Harvard Business School, um, so that uh, that does affect him uh, throughout his life. Um, but so I guess to just kind of like uh, circle back to Leon Black, he's, he's born in 1951. He grows up in a, a again affluent family. His mother was an artist. Uh, her brother, oil executive, sister, art dealer. Uh, he goes... Uh, wait, wait, Artist, oil, art? They all deal in oil in some way? Oh, yes. Very nice. clever. Nice. You know, it's like, that's the racket. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. Exactly. Fucking making oil paintings from your <laughs> fucking uncle's uh, or brother's uh, <laughs> Texas strike or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's picking up what I'm putting down tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. These some real white motherfuckers that invented this shit, dog. I don't know none of that. <laughs> Uh, but so, uh, in 1973, Leon Black gets a BA in philosophy and history from Dartmouth. He's summa cum laude. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't hear that without thinking of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, God. I, I was wondering what was funny about it. Cause I was like, I hey, pronounce it correctly. Like he's got his Latin down. Um, but that's how, why does it remind you of Epstein? Cause, uh, he, cause it's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Come made you go That's Epstein? It? Yeah. Well, you know. We've we've broken Sean. The secret ingredient at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh but so uh, uh he gets They his- got rid of the cum, that's why it's worse now. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfuckers complained. <laughs> you made McDonald's ruin the fries <laughs> to appease the vegans. <laughs> Even the ball pit is worse. <laughs> yeah, like- Which restaurant, Steven? <laughs> You made uh, Chuck E. Cheese get rid of the Epstein. <laughs> oh man, he almost got it out. <laughs> He's literally dying. That's how funny he is. Uh, if only. 1973, Leon Black, BA Philosophy History, Dartmouth, 1975, MBA from Harvard. Uh, 1976. I know he played basketball. Yeah. <laughs> 1977, he starts uh, Dre- at working at Drexel Burnham Lampert, which again, we've mentioned here up top, uh, eventually becomes a massive insider trading ring, Ponzi scheme, criminal conspiracy. Uh, and I guess I, I could just uh, quote a little bit of biography that exists from, uh, Har- uh, from the New York Times. 
um, that Drexel, his boss at the time, said Mr. Black wanted to jump immediately into big picture planning, but he believed Mr. Black needed to understand the basics first. He, quote, wasn't working as hard as we had hoped, so I had some harsh discussions with him. Recalls Frederick Joseph, the former head of Drexel. Not long after that little heart-to-heart, Mr. Black began climbing the ranks at the firm and became an influential financier as Drexel began financing mega buyouts. He would work all day, party all night, and come back and do it again the next day, Mr. Joseph says. But he bought, brought a lot more brains and a lot more strategic capacity to his deals than a lot of other guys at Wall Street at the time. And I do like that uh, he had this heart-to-heart uh, about how he wasn't working hard enough right after his fucking father jumped to his death. <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess, you know, hey, look, it's the business world. But you know what, though? Gotta get over your dead father within two years. Exactly. Steven has brought up the fact that uh, bullying is imperative in every billionaire. And in this case, it's, hey, we get that you're sad that your dad died, but we need you to get your balls out of your ass and get to work. I mean, that's per why his dad jumped. <laughs> he like he really drops the ball and yeah, unbullying un- him early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, how can I ensure that my son becomes a takeover billionaire asshole? <laughs> yeah, I need to ensure <laughs> the legacy, the legacy of private equity. Let's here. leave him with something to prove. It's and like a giant chip on his shoulder. Like, oh, I know. I'll I'll make him question. I love for him for the rest of my life. It's like that. Uh, what was it? A Christmas story where it's the past, present, future ghost, but uh, the the it's just if he kills himself right now, what will happen to his son? So if I if I jump right now, he's gonna become a billionaire. <laughs> the ghost is like, no, you're you're taking the wrong message out of this. <laughs> I'm saying that there's a lot of people that care about you. But but my son, he like a no. I mean, look, we'll just look at him. I mean. Look at how productive he is. Look at how many pensions he's destroying. I, I, I just, I mean, I, I, I know I'm supposed to say I should live, but it really feels like he, he'd want me to jump at this point. Well, just imagine the angel taking him to, like, see the Honduran president he paid bribes to, <laughs> relaxing in bed with his wife. This is what happens right, in the right. universe where you don't exist. I mean, this guy's just taking a nap. He seems like a good dude. Um. But so, oh yeah, so... And uh, everyone gets bananas out of the deal? I don't see what's wrong with this. <laughs> uh, but so, uh, 1970, uh, sorry, according to the book Buy Out of America by uh, Josh Kosman, in 1982, Leon Black starts selling junk bonds to companies financing leveraged buyouts, you know, private equity takeovers. Uh, just paraphrasing from the book, a Drexel would agree to lend acquired companies much of the difference between purchase price and then the amount the buyout firm put down, which is usually pretty little, maybe like 20%, if that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Drexel resold its loans as junk bonds. And we mentioned M- Michael Milken had this kind of captive nat- network. So, of course, you can like raise all this money and just resell your loans to your captive network that has to buy them anyways, even if they do, mm-hmm. many of them end up being totally worthless. This was part of the savings and loan crisis, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is basically what inflated the entire savings and loans yeah. crisis, and this is what. So you had all these like upstart small banks that have like on top of the usual troubles of starting a bank, which are many. Right. Um, they have to earn this ad extra return just to repay the junk bonds. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And uh, it, and a lot of them didn't. There's like a catastrophic failure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's it's a risk. Uh, according to the book, Den of. St- 
Thieves in 1983, uh, uh, Leon Black came up with the Drexel, quote, highly confident letter, which was uh, Drexel would to finance a takeover. Instead of even raising the money, they would just issue a letter saying that they were, quote, highly confident that they could raise the money and they could finance the takeover that way. And it was actually very successful as long as Milken had this captive network. Right. And then once the network falls apart, it, uh, the junk bond... Uh, uh, empire collapses but i mean obviously milken would have you know a captive network i mean he's just such a beautiful charismatic man he's just got the <laughs> face really? of just a just a beautiful beautiful boy <laughs> <laughs> he's can... like able to like essentially extort really cheap loans mm-hmm. yeah basically out of these small banks and of course they use this to do like a fucking uh mergers and acquisitions, hostile takeover, corporate raider, uh boom during the nineteen eighties, which destroys countless jobs, pensions, benefits. Um, just like uh, as one example, uh, from the uh book Buy Out of America in nineteen eighty six, Leon Black puts together uh KKR is another uh private equity firm. They put together their hostile takeover of a company called Beatrice, um for this eight point seven billion dollar deal. Wow. KKR puts down $402 million. What? So that's like nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that basically what they did here was they broke up the company and they sold off the individual pieces. At the tax law, uh, at that time, tax the tax code says you don't have to pay taxes on profits made by divesting pieces right, of a company. Right. So they made this huge profit selling off the pieces uh, and doing massive layoffs every time they did so. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Congress closed uh, this particular tax loophole. It says you can no longer, new owners can no longer sell off business divisions without paying taxes, taxes on, on, the, it, yeah. on the profits they make there. Um, Almost like a Native American corporate raider, you know, using all the pieces. Get rid of all <laughs> all of it for, for what we need, you know. No, yeah. no piece unleft soiled. <laughs> and I did want to mention... Um, <laughs> Dennis Levine would would be caught up in the Michael Milken insider trading ring. He would cooperate with the government, serve prison time. Leon Black, of course, escaped any sort of uh, legal ramifications. But Dennis Levine, according to the book Den of Thieves, hated Leon Black and, <laughs> and called him, quote, the fat slob, unquote. <laughs> Because uh, Leon Black was the, for a time, co-head of mergers and acquisitions at uh, Drexel. Oh, and this and is how uh, Leon Black got out of uh, the prison time. Mm-hmm. You spray paint Larry was here, wash me, all that kind of shit. Fuck this whole asshole up. These snicker bars, throw some paper on the floor, read a newspaper, roll the paper up the newspaper, and throw the newspaper on the floor. Mm-hmm. Fuck this whole asshole up. You know what I'm saying? Leon Black definitely changed after his father died. <laughs> 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 he became a much, much angrier man. But, Side, but stronger. Uh, yeah. Side note, um, I don't know if Larry David took some sort of payoff from Leon Black to make it harder to research him. <laughs> but if you want to Google this private equity episode, uh, asshole, uh, prepared to find a lot of stuff about the show Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, I think uh, Larry David knew to research any of this material, you just have to see such darkness that you might as well get a little bit of comedy every now and then from J.B. Smoove mm-hmm. while you're doing some deep diving on some Wall Street dirt bags. Mm-hmm. And uh, one other uh, case I want to do of just two different quotes back to back. This first one's from the Financial Times. As head of mergers for Drexel, Leon Black financed about 75% of the buyouts of the the pioneers of private equity carried out in the 1980s, including KKR's storied purchase of RJR Nabisco. Uh, and then this next quote is from Buyout of America by Josh Kosman. More than half of the companies acquired in the 25 largest LBOs in the 1980s collapsed into bankruptcy. <laughs> so basically, he did like about 75% of the financing of these leveraged buyouts, and then more than half of the companies would eventually go bankrupt. Right. 
More than half. More than half. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, not most. Yeah, not most. No. And so, um, in uh, in 1988, the Justice the Justice Department threatens to bring RICO charges against Drexel because they're trying to get to Michael Milken. Uh, we we covered this in more detail on the Michael Milken episode, but basically. Um, uh, they have to settle. Uh, Drexel has to settle with the government. Michael Milken has to get pushed out, and then the company. Uh, this is 1988. The company has to restructure. Uh, it would collapse in 1990. But what kind of happens? There's this Fortune article called "The Last Days of Drexel Burnham Lampert," and uh, they kind of restructure the company around Leon Black and a guy named Peter a- Ackerman. Mm-hmm. And basically, what they're saying is like. Uh, from Fortune, uh, the last days of Drexel Burnham Lampert. Uh, basically, the, uh, the wait, wait, did you say Fortune or Four Chan? Because it's Fortune, very Fortune. Okay, yes. All right. <laughs> from Four Chan Magazine, <laughs> <laughs> on their exclusive on Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> they broke this story about Drexel Burnham Lampert. Uh, but so basically, he um, he agreed to give like Ackerman and uh, Leon Black like seventy five percent of their bonus. But he told them that the more deals they brought in, the higher their bonuses. You know, because like even though the company just sorry just paid like hundreds of millions to the government and you know had to settle all these charges, he like guaranteed their compensations would be at least equal to seventy five percent of their previous year's compensation. And he promised uh, this, yeah. So that, like men's warehouse guarantee, yeah. Because like he was worried that these people would like bolt after right, right. Michael Milken uh, got slammed. Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, from the Fortune article, when rumors got out about the special arrangements Ackerman, Black, and a few others had negotiated, morale took another nosedive. A former member of the Drexel board jeers, the key to success was being a pig. To allow his other investment bankers to vent their anger and envy, Joseph, the, the head of Drexel, brought in a psychologist named Ned Keenan, who is used by many companies, including KKR. What did employees tell Keenan? According to a former top investment banker, quote, that everybody hated Peter and Leon. <laughs> And so that's not shocking. Yeah. Uh, And basically what happens is because, you know, their compensation is tied to like the business they bring in, Mm -hmm. even though the junk bond captive network has just collapsed, they're bringing these huge deals. And one one other thing from the Fortune article, among Drexel's worst selling underwritings of 1989 was those that Leon Black did to help William Farley, the T-shirt titan, take over textile maker West Point Pepperall, Pepperell. Farley needed over $1 billion to swing the acquisition, uh, but Black did not want to see Drexel Welsh on his promises to raise the money, so he and Ackerman bowled through it. Unfortunately for the terms, uh, Drexel failed to sell $250 million of the paper and had to inventory the stuff. So what happens is Drexel is like doing all these junk bond uh, raises, but mm-hmm. then they can't sell the junk bonds because right. Michael Milken is in, going to prison, his network collapsed, so Drexel has to start eating all these junk bonds, mm. and they fall apart, and in 1990, they declare bankruptcy. But I did like um, uh, one last thing from this article. Uh, the firm starts to fall apart, and then uh, they have, uh, when from the Fortune article, when the bonuses were announced in December, Leon Black was perturbed at how small his was, a mere $12 million. <laughs> According to several Drexel officers, Black went home and sulked for a couple of days before Joseph relented and gave him $3 million more. <laughs> Joseph, uh, yeah, and so this is like right, this is 1989, and then June 1990, no, yeah, and then right at the beginning of 1990, the firm collapses into bankruptcy. Wow. And, uh, you know, Drexel's stock charts looked like a drawing of Leon Black's father jumping off the building. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so, 
it is interesting. So we, we mentioned, you know, this this massive Ponzi scheme and, and all this stuff. The thing is, because Leon Black was, he was working in New York. Michael Milken was working in Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. he was kind of the New York banker with the most access and influence to Milken. So because of this, he knew where the bodies were buried. Because, you know, uh, this uh, saving and loan collapse uh, particularly uh, accelerates in 1990. Uh, there's uh, the Congress in 1989 passes the Financial Institution Reform, Recovery, and Enforcement Act, 1989. This is like the bailout of the savings and loans. Uh, taxpayers would end up spending about, a, or public money, about $132 billion uh, bailing out the savings and loans and like selling off their assets. So the thing is, Leon Black. Because he worked with Michael Milken, he knows right. he knows where the bodies are buried. He knows what's the good shit and what's the bad shit. Yeah, of course. So basically, uh, what happens is Leon Black is able to get an $800 million line of credit from Credit Lyonnais, which it, it no longer exists. It was bought out by another French bank, but it was a French bank at the time, 90% owned by the French government. Oh. So he gets this $800 million line of credit, and he starts buying uh, distressed securities. Like, he buys companies out of bankruptcy, which which gives them a lot of uh, uh, value. Uh, just from, like, Wikipedia, he invested in... And then, like, offloads those companies to other people, essentially? Yeah, yeah, because the private be- equity business model is usually flip it in three to five years. Right. Uh, after, you know, cutting But he expenses. didn't have enough time. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, usually, like, you cut expenses. You, like... The nice thing is if you buy out of bankruptcy, it usually wipes out all the union contracts, mm. most of the pension, healthcare, all these obligations. So you essentially just hose labor, and then you try to flip it once you've like kind of got it operational again. Right, right. So buying out of bankruptcy is, a, is very profitable if you have uh, capital on hand. Yeah. Um, Which is a through line to all billionaires is to have enough capital to fail multiple times <laughs> so that when you succeed, people can be like, wow, can you believe Kylie Jenner sells fucking colorful dirt for $18 when they usually you cost 6 and motherfuckers are paying $80 for this shit on the black market? It is an area which we call <laughs> But um, just an interesting thing here is so um, the government sets up the res- the federal government, the U.S., sets up the Resolution Trust Corporation, which was supposed to like buy up these assets from all these failed savings and loans and sell them off to other investors. Mm-hmm. But it usually does that on the cheap. So because Leon Black is able to get this $800 million credit line from this French bank, he's able to start buying assets from the U.S. federal government. And so that's like... We talk about there is no, especially with regard to finance, there is no billionaire that does not get a massive subsidy from the U.S. federal government. So the Resolution Trust Corporation starts selling off assets to other investors on the cheap, and this is how Apollo makes most of their bank at first. Um, uh, According to Wikipedia, Apollo used uh, distressed debt to buy or or invest in firms such as Vail Resorts, uh, Walter Industries, Culligan, and Samsonite. Um, and you know, again, this is like they set up this Ponzi scheme. Tax public money has to pay a hundred billion some dollars right. to resolve this Ponzi scheme, and then with the collapse of the Ponzi scheme, they become billionaires by picking up the pieces of like what's actually valuable in all these companies that they just drove into like debt and bankruptcy. Right. You know, so it's like it's an amazing scam, and it's incredible to me, just like how much nice treatment this guy gets in Bloomberg or CNBC. And this is like, even if you are a capitalist, this is very straightforward fraud and uh, 
you know, pick up the pieces and then survive. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to, I always think of analogies for things, but in this case, it seems like they're like, hey, we're going to ship a whole bunch of gold and valuables by boat, but from one coast to the other. But some of these boats will have nothing on it, and then we're going to sink all of them, and one of us is going to go to the jail. But then Will only knows which boats have the treasures and which boats have nothing. That doesn't make any sense. I'll cut it, but I think that the listener in my head appreciated it. Well, interesting anecdote is the carried interest loophole uh, was named after uh, boat captains who oh, really? get interest for carrying goods on their boats. Well, maybe I won't come. And that's, that's very similar to what private equity does today. That's fucked <laughs> carrying up. Carrying goods on boats. Um, but yeah, and, and so just one last thing from Wikipedia on this. Early on, Apollo made a name for itself by acquiring interest in companies that Drexel had helped finance by purchasing high-yield bonds, junk bonds, from failed savings and loans and other insurance companies. Apollo had acquired several large portfolios of assets from the U.S. government's Resolution Trust Corporation. So the U.S. government bails these out. Apollo buys them on the cheap. And because Leon Black was part of the scheme, he knows exactly what the good shit is and what isn't. Right. And that's how he becomes a billionaire. Just that simple. And I do just want to mention one particular case of this. Uh, so Executive Life is an insurance company, and uh, there's uh, just like random California political corruption story here. Uh, John uh, Garamendi is currently a congressman, Democrat congressman from uh, the 3rd District of California. But in 1991, he, gets, he becomes elected California's insurance commissioner. And what he does is he seizes executive life. Uh, this is from the Sacramento Bee. Uh, John Garamendi uh, becomes elected California's first elected insurance commissioner. Uh, just weeks after that, he seizes executive life, contending that its junk bond portfolio was too risky to support payments to more than 300,000 retirees and people who had held the insurance policies and such. Um, a, a few months later... Uh, John Garamandi sold the junk bonds to uh, Leon Black's clients for $3.25 billion. They turned out to have, I think even at the time, a face value of more than $6 billion. Wow. So essentially, uh, uh, from uh, Sacramento Bee, uh, Black made somewhere from between $500 million to $1 billion on this deal. What? And the thing is, like... <clears throat> the wait, 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 $500 million to $1 billion, they just don't know? We don't know exactly how much Leon Black cleared on this, but mm. clearly the the fund itself almost doubled its money. Right, right. Because mm. three point two five billion to more than six billion dollars face value. Yeah, a lot and of times they have like for for like individual stakeholders take on a deal like this, mm-hmm. they don't know exactly what it is. So they have oh, to they so, have yeah. to back into the figure based on the total sale amount mm-hmm. and just historically what their percentage has been in the past. So, yeah, and so according to Forbes, the deal left policyholders taking a 40% shaving on their claims. And, uh, you know, so anyone who had 300,000 people had insurance policies of right. various types, uh, annuities and such, and they had to take a 40% shave on this. And again, from this is from the LA Times, 330,000 executive life policyholders uh, lost 4 to $4.5 billion what? since the company's failure. Uh, from the LA Times, uh, some have lost their homes, others have foregone medical care that was to have been guaranteed by income from executive life's annuities. Uh, on the other hand, the buyers of the junk bonds have profited by as much as $1.76 billion. Wow. So, and then just like the weird thing is like basically uh, uh, from the LA Times, they argue that first executive corp 
was uh, fi- was part of Michael Milken's junk bond network. So again, mm-hmm. Leon Black knows where the bodies are buried. Right. He knows there's good shit in here if he can buy it on the cheap. Um, so basically, uh, Leon Black kind of knows better than this guy, uh, uh, Garamendi, uh, who was elected insurance commissioner, what's going on there. Um, and so the LA Times wrote an article about this uh, and basically, the theory is that Leon Black told them, hey, you got to sell right away. This right. shit's worthless. We'll take it off your hands. Uh, so the LA Times wrote that. But Giramende's spokesperson said he didn't rely on Apollo for advice from the LA Times, but on his financial consult- consultants, New York-based Blackstone Group. But Blackstone sources have said they advised him that policyholders would be best served by holding on to the bonds until prices recovered, not by hastily selling them in a block. Uh, Garamendi was, quote, advocating selling at the worst of all possible times, says the general partner, says a then general partner at Blackstone. But the commissioner seemed predisposed to make the sale no matter what. We figured out pretty early that we were ants, the ants at the picnic, he told the LA Times. Wow. So very clearly, Blackstone is advising him, do not sell. Right. But he insists on selling uh, to Apollo for about half of the face value. And uh, this makes him a billionaire. Again, 40% haircut for the actual people involved in this. And then uh, one last thing from Forbes. Uh, as of 1998, uh, Giramande was working at an investment outfit with strong links to Leon Black. Uh, in April 1998, Los Angeles-based uh, UKPA uh, Cosmetics or something, uh, <laughs> COS, <laughs> An investment company that's done some big deals financed by Black made uh, Garamendi a partner. So basically, a, uh, a company that had a bunch of financing links to Leon Black made him a partner in 1998. Hmm, that's not suspicious. Yeah. And then he was like California's lieutenant governor 2006 to 10, currently a Democrat congressman from California's 3rd District. So if you are living in California's 3rd District, make sure to call your congressman and ask him if he knows any good deals on insurance companies. Yeah, man, these some <laughs> real white motherfuckers that invented this shit, dog. I don't know none of that. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, and so like this and other deals, make him a billionaire and um we're not gonna have time to get to everything but uh steve did you want to talk about some of like apollo's business model in general yeah there so apollo's three main areas of business are credit private equity and real real assets credit is primarily invest investments in what they call non-control corporate and structured debt Mm -hmm. that includes performing stressed and so-called distressed investments across the capital structure Private equity, which is, I mean, it's a private equity company. That's what it's best known for, um, is just what we said. It's uh, mergers and acquisition transactions for hmm. to buy up uh, companies and offload debt, make restructurings happen, and then sell them for a profit. Right, right. They also have another area, and it's just called real assets, where it, <laughs> what was that? Real assets. Where's it? Yeah, dun, dun, this dun, is dun, the real dun, shit. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Primarily, assets where it's filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Primarily, this means real estate equity and invest in infrastructure. Rule, if you're my father, be careful what town car you land on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't order my Mercedes painted. <laughs> I think part of the part of their part of the new load of debt they're taking on is to um, 
finance the purchase of things like uh, they call it mezzanine loans, mm. where they're oh. taking on like uh, more dubious quality mortgage-backed securities and stuff like that. Yeah, anything called mezzanine. Yeah, it sounds in the middle. You know, it's like mid-tier. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's just a nice term for yeah. like approaching junk loans. Well, status. it's a, it's a balcony junk loan. It's not. It's fancy. Yeah. That's like this is kind of like the mostly versus right yeah, yeah versus, versus over half yeah yeah terminology issue, <laughs> but yeah so they have like a slightly by the way, I'm going to use that in my life you know uh, hey Yogi how much pizza's <laughs> left uh, I mean uh, over half <laughs> also this is another situation that I found with several billionaires is that their main investment vehicle that they're known for is worth less than they are hmm. so this company is worth about two point four billion. In other words, it has assets in excess of its liabilities of two billion, two point four billion, mm-hmm. and let's see, Leon's worth what six 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 billion, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, just without knowing any anything else about the business, you can see what like it's he's really running it for his own personal purposes, right? <laughs> the uh, well, yeah, I mean that's kind of something we've talked about with private equity is essentially like the people who are actually like partners are always first in line and they always kind of get paid. Uh, and then the actual investors in the funds are in good position. But if you're actually like an idiot holding the stock of a public private equity company, you're going to get hosed right. because, you know, every like uh, just for an example, Apollo has been like ma- their actual public stock has been massively beaten by the uh, the S&P 500 the entire time. <laughs> Uh, just from Market Watch, since going public in March 2011, Apollo stock has risen 69.4 percent, mm. while the S&P 500 has risen 255 percent. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, that was another another thing I was going to men- just mention real quick is um, so like despite all of the these sophisticated deals, mm-hmm. um, the S&P 500, one of the main indexes for stocks. Uh, rose 13% in the last quarter, but Apollo is slightly under it at 2.81 mm. for return on investment. All right. So <laughs> so I think they need to be doing more insider trading. Perhaps, <laughs> or somebody, somebody else needs to jump, I guess. Yeah, well, and so <laughs> I guess... They need to be inspired. There's, there's two other things I want to mention before we wrap up here, because, of course, like there's so much stuff that we're just not going to have time, and we'll circle back with the two other founders, and I think we'll hit Certainly. like s- some of the rest of the, uh, the Apollo uh, shady buyouts and these kinds of things. But Stephen mentioned you know the actual fund investors. So CalPERS is the California Public Employees Retirement System. That's the pension fund for California. We mentioned about, uh, according to New York Times, about half of private equity money comes from these pension funds that are seeding the, their own destruction, right. as it were. <laughs> Um, but so according to an independent study from CalPERS, uh, this report detailed Apollo had paid tens of millions of dollars to a former CalPERS board member who helped it land billions of investments from the pension fund. So basically, like, you know, and they, they go through this. Apollo was not actually accused of wrongdoing here. There was a, a guy, a former CalPERS board member. He committed suicide in t- uh, 2015 because he accepted, like, tens of millions from Apollo. And then he, like, li- he bribed another board member right, to, like, sure. steer something like three point some billion dollars of CalPERS money into Apollo. So it's like you do see that happening a lot where public pension funds get put into these... Um, private equity things you know partly people say because they want to like get accelerated juiced returns that beat the s&p 500 but a significant part of it is just straight up bribery or you know influence influence peddling or whatever else is going on here um yeah i mean uh, it's uh a lot a lot of times people will be like well you know if they just invested in the stock market and broad index they might have gotten more money 
but like with private equity, a lot of it is about control as well as ownership. Hmm. And so you're looking for the even longer term in terms of like influencing people. Right, right. And being known as someone who can uh, partake in, you know, the the family business essentially of private equity. Right, the like, moving and shaking side of it. Yeah. Yeah. The creative destruction. Right, right. Yeah. Well, those are the people that have all the tools. Yeah, so like they, they, you need to you need to be known as someone who essentially can have, has this all of this tribal knowledge. Yes, of of fi- financial wisdom, and you can run a private equity vehicle. Right, and and hopefully we've mentioned this a, a lot. But another thing to remember with private equity is that they're almost guaranteed to make money. Like if you're an investor in their fund, you may or may not make more than the S and P five hundred. But the actual partners are are almost guaranteed to the point where it's like. What they do is as soon as they take over a company, they just get it a massive loan and they use it to pay themselves back almost within a year. Right, sure. And so I just uh, the last thing I want to do for, for Leon Black in particular is just read a little bit from this article from WealthDaily.com. And uh, the author is making the argument about a, a vulture capitalist firm. What makes it a vulture capitalist? Um, he says, usually a vulture capitalist firm will buy a majority stake in a company with debt using debt, that is. The vulture capitalists will not put up much of their very own cash, usually less than 10%. Then it transfers all the debt to the company's balance sheet. All the debt used to acquire it gets dumped onto the company's balance sheet, and then it starts paying out huge dividends to shareholders, of which it is the majority shareholder. Um, so often the company will go into even more debt to do that. And so the this author uses the examples of Claire's. Claire's is like uh, a famous... They do ear piercings. Right. They got fucking preteen clothes and necklaces and fucking jewelry and shit. It's in the mall. You've seen it. It's got like a pink purplish flower in the A-ish area. You know, I applied for a job there because I got rejected from all the jobs I applied for when I was starting out. I applied to the movie theater, the mall, the fucking blockbuster, everywhere. None of them were talking about I applied to Claire's and they like looked at my application and then me and just went, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Because they, they want, like, cute, you know, good-looking women working at Claire's. They don't want 14-year-old girls to be fucking next to my dumb big, big brown ass just being like, hey, you want your ears pierced? Claire's, Chuck E. Cheese, Jeffrey Epstein. Right. It's all making it's sense. All- <laughs> <laughs> Researching this episode, I had a giant whiteboard with a bunch of newspaper clippings. Yeah, we've been to strings attaching different pictures. Yeah, right, right. Pictures of Leon Black. Red yarn. But so uh, the author gives the article, uh, gives the example of Claire's stores. So it was, you know, a jewelry chain. Apollo buys it in 2007. Um, uh, From the article, sales per square foot at the chain have stayed roughly the same, but the company has been losing money ever since Apollo acquired it. Acquired it in 2007. Why have profits been so bad? Probably because the payments on the $2.3 billion in debt that the (sighs) Apollo put on the company. Wow. And uh, Claire's would eventually declare bankruptcy in 2008. So that's exactly what happened with Toys R Us. We did a yeah. whole episode mm-hmm. on this, and you see this again and again with private equity. Happened with uh, Payless Shoes. Right. It happened with it, Sears was similar, I believe, or Jay Z Penny or one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so you know, it's just like again, the the actual sales per square foot stayed constant, but profitability was destroyed because of this massive debt payment. But private equity doesn't give a shit because they're the making first money. Th- yeah. The first thing they do is take out a giant loan to pay themselves back and right. secure their profit. 
And uh, the uh, article from WealthDaily.com also cites an aluminum producer called Naranda Aluminum, which was acquired in 2007. Apollo loaded the company with debt and started paying huge dividends. Naranda was once a solid company that paid union wages, but don't worry, you won't find out much about it now. It declared bankruptcy in February 2016. And, uh, you know, look. We could spend all day going through uh, Rackspace, Career Builder is another one that j- just started doing mm-hmm. layoffs that mm-hmm. Apollo did. Um, they bought univer- the parent company of University of Phoenix, which uh, is engaged in very predatory pr- pricing practices towards um, uh, low-income people. Right, pre-Apollo uh, and post-Apollo. Yes, they, they didn't stop any of right. that stuff. Uh, they bought uh, some sort of vehicle... Uh, uh, for a fucking Inspire Communities developer, which owns like 13,000 uh, trailer park homes. Uh-huh. So, you know, of course, they're like harassing these people, yeah. cutting their uh, benefits. Uh, there's a Vanity Fair story. Apollo has bought 29 local TV stations acro- across the country as of April 2019. Uh, it will become the seventh largest owner of local television stations in the United States. <laughs> And uh, they quote someone in the article saying, uh, uh, se- uh, TV is what gets senators elected. So they might wow. try a traditional profit thing there, but it is also just the fact, like, they own a fucking private military. Yeah. They own a, bu- a bunch of television stations in the United States. So they have an extreme amount of influence. So it's like, well, how did he get there? Well, he ran a fucking giant criminal conspiracy with Michael Milken, a giant Ponzi scheme. But instead of being a, a fucking Bernie Madoff, he's Leon Black. He has yeah. so much influence that if you look on Bloomberg, CNBC, you won't see any of this shit. It took me like seven hours of digging and five hours of Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in fairness, five of those hours, I was completely distracted looking up Epstein. But, you know. Yeah, it, but, but Sean, you're also jerking off during that time. Yeah. So you got to really figure something out but you know what they're professional criminal that's yeah. what it is oh, it's, absolutely. you know we we uh we romanticize the outlaw aesthetic in this country but the uh, fucking uh yahoos and fat cats on wall street are uh professional con men yeah and it is just something where it's like maybe we beat this point to to death on the podcast but you know like a lot of these billionaires uh they're maybe overpaid or, or whatever the case may be. They don't really create much value. In many cases, they're often damaging. But it's just like even under the laws of capitalism, Leon Black is a straight-up criminal. Like, he again, he, he, he inflated this massive Ponzi scheme. Right. The government had to come in and bail it out. And then he used, you know, government connections and uh, bribery and just the fact that he got an $800 million line of credit to buy up assets on the cheap uh, because of bankruptcies caused by his Ponzi scheme. And, you know, in the case of, you know, California and executive life insurance, he, there was probably straight up pay to play there where he actually hires the guy yeah, of who course. makes the decision to sell it to him on the cheap, you know? And it's so frustrating because the people that are evaluating how morally or ethically good he is aren't fucking doing this fucking dirt digging Sean's doing to realize how much fucking garbage is in their goddamn portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's really been a pleasure recording the last episode of this podcast. Uh, and I'm going to be very sad when he gets my address off a of Palantir database and fucking sends two men in black masks to my house. It's, it's going to be worse. It's going to be just like a envelope that's got a fucking powder in it that makes you faint. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did forget to mention, he bought uh, 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 Edvard Munches, one of the four copies yeah. of the mm-hmm. Scream painting. Right. 
paid 120 million dollars for it yeah mind you we we rarely talk about this but all these fucks got art collections and if you go on liam black's wikipedia between the three or four things that they've mentioned it's about 160 million dollars worth of art and it's fucking money that would gone to not his fucking private art collection and i don't know museums or fucking uh, public awareness on art or some shit but the main thing is is that it wouldn't be in fucking liam black's house I did just want to say uh, the uh, the screen painting is actually um, a, an artist depiction of a pedestrian who saw Eli Black's father crush his town car. <laughs> um, but so the story took a cast. Everything's cutting okay. out, but it, we're still recording. Um, let's do this. All right, so um, I guess to close this out, we talked about this on our Carl Icon episode, but Carl Icon actually did stand up at Caroline's on Broadway. Right. Uh, solely out of merit and uh, he mentions Leon Black there and he tells a, a cute little anecdote but uh, I, I think it would have been nice if I could have punched that up and well he tells the anecdote about how Leon Black's father took acid and thought he could fly <laughs> very disrespectful he's Carl Icahn is a roast comic <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, uh, Leon's returns are falling to earth like his father. <laughs> um, but I guess we just play like a little second of uh, Carl Icahn doing stand-up, uh, and he mentions an anecdote about Leon Black. And I kept making money, and I met this guy tonight, Leon Black. Yeah, I don't even know Leon. I mean, Leon's a brilliant guy. There's nothing wrong with Leon. I don't care. I don't care what people say. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with Leon. He's here with his son, a brilliant kid. I don't know where the kid came from, but but, but the kid is brilliant. And and Leon. You heard that knowing laugh. They know what people say about Jeffrey Epstein. Oh yeah, they know exactly what Epstein's all about. Uh, but I was shocked because this was uh, Leon Black's response to what what Carl Icahn said. You misunderstood. What? It's once every thirteen years. You know. You gotta recharge the mitzvah. So you always keep the mitzvah kind of full. At capacity. Capacity uh, uh mitzvah capacity. Right. Right. <laughs> There's uh so the the story Carl Icahn tells there on the stand up, mm-hmm. uh you heard the two best punchlines. Yeah. Oh yeah. The rest of it's trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh then he has like some five minute anecdote about how like Leon Black lectured some CEO at uh, US Steel, and the punchline is um Leo, uh the the U.S. Steel CEO tells Leon Black, if you don't get the fuck out of my office right now, I'm going to cut your balls off. Wow. And what? then uh, Leon Black turns to Carl Icahn after they leave and says, I think I did pretty well in there. <laughs> but um, What a hack. Yeah, I do just want to say that um, had the U.S. Steel executive cut Leon Black's balls off, many of Jeffrey Epstein's victims <laughs> would be much better off today had U.S. Steel Allegedly, CEO. this is the free side show. Yes. None of this is true. This is all satire. But you know what? I just wanted to say, again, um, the co-founders of Apollo are Josh Harris and Mark Rowan. Uh, They they are also billionaires. And there's so much shit we didn't get to. Like, they have connections to the Trump White House, Kushner. A lot of, they, like, gave Kushner a business loan. Apollo Mm -hmm. did, like, 100 million some. So it's like, there's so much fucking corruption, influence peddling, uh, destruction. The New York Times wrote a long piece about what Apollo did to Hostess, where there was, like, uh, uh, they bought it out of bankruptcy, destroyed all these jobs shut down a plant because they were they unionized right, right. you know so it's like 
again, there are so many different angles we could go to that we just didn't have time to get to everything today. But if you, the listener, have uh, favorite greatest hits of <laughs> Apollo Global Management um, uh, just kind of destroying communities or various anecdotes about uh, their most significant buyouts, uh, let us know. Twitter, uh, at GrubstakersPod, uh, 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 Grubstakers podcast at uh, gmail.com. Just let us know, and we will circle back and cover uh, more, uh, as much as we missed as possible on a future episode about uh, Josh Harris and uh, Mark Rowan. So, you know what? Just uh, keep your eyes out uh, and make sure that you are writing those uh, donation checks to Gratitude America. <laughs> <laughs> incorporate it yes of course and not gratitude america ltd right okay well anything else we missed on leon black thanks to the listeners for uh rating subscribing and listening and letting us know what you like and letting us know what you don't like that we ignore from time to time mm-hmm. but uh honestly we we do it for you we really appreciate it um it's a pleasure uh, making this show for y'all yeah uh give us five stars on itunes and we will either bring andy back or never bring him back <laughs> He's not coming back. Depending he on who gets more eating. five scars. <laughs> Andy's fate is now determined by the five-star rating. Listen, we don't need Andy. We got me, yeah. and I can do this. Yeah, man. These some real white motherfuckers <laughs> that have been this year, dog. I don't know none of that. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.